Hello, everybody. Welcome to Harold Hay. My name is Adam Smaha, and with me, as always, is Corey Vaughn. In this episode, entitled "The Longest Monday," uh, it's written by Nathan Greenberg, and it's directed by Derek Dryman and Larry Likelighter. These names are hard. Those are hard names. And as in the episode, this entire episode is very hard. There's a lot of uh, we talk about everything under the sun. We have all the trigger warnings. Everything, whoa. All the uh, trigger warnings, yes. For everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, We talk about morality. Mm -hmm. We talk about violence. Mm -hmm. We talk about history. Mm -hmm. Tradition. Tradition. Mm -hmm. We talk about Israel-Palestine. It's true. We do. It's true. We talk about all of it. And if that bothers you, I apologize. I hope we did a good job. Um, Um, Yeah, this is a fantastic episode. Yeah, we actually, like, finished it and went, we had a lot to say, which, like, we prepared for it today. This wasn't, like, a long process, and we still had a lot to say, which is it, exciting. A lot of times we have a lot to say about very little. Uh-huh. This time, we have a lot to say about a whole lot. Yeah, I felt like we could have kept going. Um, yeah, enjoy the episode, uh, and we'll have Jazz of the Week, of course, at the end. Of uh, course. Of course. Um, please email us at uh, hey.haroldhay at gmail.com um, and rate and review you, you listening right now. Yeah, if you haven't, I don't get what you're yeah, waiting please. for. please. If you're driving, keep driving. But yeah. if you're not driving... PayPal us some money, whatever. Do whatever sure. you want. Well, rate and review, please. <laughs> That's the... Please. Oh, we also... A little shout out to our, our buddy in Boston or something... Some of these coast that Philadelphia. Guy. Yeah, the guy that we talked about in a previous episode, he's badass. He does a crane Sean? operator. Maybe. I think it's Sean. He he's fantastic, and uh, we just yeah he sent us an email. So this is what you get if you send us an email, we'll talk about you. Yeah, he sent us a photo of his job, which is cool because we ranted and raved about how he has like the last truly blue traditionally blue yeah. collar American <laughs> yeah. job, and um. Yeah, so the fact that we've Trump bashed as much as we have, and he still listens to the show and emails us, there's, yeah. We don't know his political affiliations. No, we don't. But judging by the fact that he listens, he probably doesn't like Trump, which is fine. Enjoy the episode, guys. Thank Thanks you, for bye. joining in. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for... <laughs> Longest Monday is the first Monday of every June, around PS 118, and Eugene does not know what it is, asks Gerald and Sid, and they do their regular Keeper of the Tale thing. Gerald explains that uh, on the first Monday of every June, there's extra trash on the streets, and the fifth graders take the fourth graders, and they put them in the garbage cans, and it's disgusting. And so these kids kind of rally together before school gets out. To make a plan, uh, they want to make it to Mrs. Vitello's flower shop uh, and wait out the rest of the night. Cut to the other, the fifth graders, as they're practicing how to correctly throw a kid in the trash can. So this is a diabolical day, basically. Um, and so it cuts to uh, three o'clock and uh, everybody is on their way out. And this like very telling moment, Arnold says, all right. 
uh, all for one and one for all. And then all the fifth graders show up with trash cans and Harold says, every man for himself. And they run. And that's kind of the rest of the episode is them just running for their lives, uh, trying to stay clean. Um, and basically the group starts out with five of them. It's, it's Arnold, Gerald, Eugene, Sid, and Harold. And one by one, they all get picked off. So Sid gets held back in a basement and then Eugene gets pushed aside by Harold um, as they're trying to escape. And then Harold gets stuck in a bus. And so one by one, they all get stuck and Arnold and Gerald almost get caught. And then they show up in this um, junkyard area and one of the kids in their class park uh, opens up this door and says, welcome guys, come on in. And it's basically this legendary um, uh, like safe space for the fourth graders that uh, Eugene had kind of mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, and it's this perfect Mecca for fourth graders with like psychologists and food and showers and places to rest and eat. And of course that, you know, it, it it's a perfect haven that, ends too soon um the fifth graders throw like break in throw trash cans into the space and all the fourth graders run away uh and then arnold and gerald still running run into this kid who says hey i can help you get out of the city and so they like pay him a yo-yo and a pez dispenser and uh this kid kind of like uh, traffics them (laughs) He, he he says i can get you over the line don't worry about it um and he ends up betraying them. And uh, you see kind of the main fifth graders that are uh, in this episode, Wolfgang and a couple other guys. Um, and Wolfgang picks up Arnold and Gerald to throw them in the trash. And Arnold makes this grand plea uh, saying, um, like, you don't have to do this. Like, you could change lives. You could change history. Uh, this is like a moral dilemma. And surprisingly, Wolfgang takes it seriously and thinks about it, kind of weighs all the options and still in the end throws these guys in the trash can. And the episode ends with third graders kind of laughing at Arnold and Gerald, but then being confronted, oh, we're next. And so Arnold and Gerald finished the episode walking off wondering, oh, uh, what should we do? Should we keep this tradition alive? And that's kind of a mystery that basically isn't answered, but... Um, yeah, it ends with several moral dilemmas. It goes from a really great, um, great escape kind of caper uh, to real moral dilemma, dilemmas about violence and about um, tradition. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of has, is a full circle episode. A lot of a, very well rounded. A lot of good stuff. Um, some nice funny moments. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, I think there's a number of interesting parts of this episode i think one of them that you mentioned just now was like them stumbling upon that sort of like fourth grade utopia Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think it's really interesting because there's like a a moment where he says like you know this place is great like we feed the hungry yeah yeah. we have a psychiatrist and everything you're saying and 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 i I, it's really funny because it's there's almost like in the fact that they're dealing with this opposition which is the fifth graders right that's like violent it's like forced them to find the goodness in themselves and cultivate uh, that, yeah, which yeah, I think yeah. is really interesting and really funny. And then, yeah, like you said, it's very tragic and sad when the fifth graders barge in and destroy yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think one of the scenes that you mentioned that I thought was super he- heavy and, and interesting was when 
Arnold is trying to appeal to Wolfgang right. about like there's two roads like you can take right. sort of the ethical moral road or you can like give in to this base desire and you know trash can all of these kids and how he thinks about it and he really understands that what he's doing is yeah. a moral dilemma yeah. <laughs> yeah. but then it's like he feels the weight and history of the tradition yeah. on his shoulders and it's almost like it's his duty to follow yeah. through and yeah. do this thing which I think is really funny and I think uh, there's a lot of parallels to like, yeah, the, I think the intersection between history and violence is really interesting mm-hmm. and lineage and violence. And also um, sort of, uh, I don't know, and like the war uh, comparisons and imagery is really, is, is really interesting. It, it's like in true, this is, I think like hey Arnold at its finest. Yeah. Oh, totally. Cause there's really funny, like genuinely funny moments in it. There's goofy moments in it. It's like some sort of weird, like pseudo social commentary that's really fun too, um, and you definitely can tell that they're tying in some bigger themes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think it's like super solid, really funny, good episode. I, I think there's a lot to dive into, and I I want to start with a clip. Um, I think we'll focus first on the uh, the clip. Um, with kind of the safe zone, and then we'll do that uh, that Wolfgang Morblum clip later. So yeah, let's let's listen to that um, safe space. Park, what's going on? This is my safe house. Yeah, Eugene told us about this. No fifth grader knows about this place, but fourth graders are always welcome. We feed the hungry, heal the wounded, and clean up the garbage cupboards. Yeah, they say I might even be smelling normal again by the end of the week. We even provide psychological services. It was horrible. They picked me up, and then they jammed me in the trash can. I get over it, you big wuss. You're doing a wonderful thing here, Park. Well, we tried. Uh, I, I love this scene so much. I, I totally agree, Adam. It's like, uh, just, it's funny and, and, and like, you see the kids at their best. Um, but the first thing I thought of, like, I love seeing Eugene getting like wiped down by the, um, brushes. It feels like a movie about no, contamination. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, quarantined. um, it feels like district nine or like, uh, uh, yeah. Any movie where like an alien, shows up and like spits gunk on you like it's so the whole so it 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 reminds me of sci-fi especially the sci-fis that reference like intense times of war um and intense times of like contamination because those are social commentaries too and so this feels like i think that's what makes this feel like a social commentary not because of like the contamination but the way that it almost feels like an underground political scene. These kids are like fighting the man by like having a safe space for themselves. You know, it feels like like taking care of each other and seeking refuge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. It does feel like, uh, it's like counter, it's like countering the, the dominant narrative, which is a violence essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, they're yeah. going to create like a peaceful environment. Well, and that's, I mean, the, the joke is that Helga's is giving, um, therapy, which is the oh, it's like it's it's just a great pairing of Harold, who's this giant big baby. Like in every episode he's in, he's a big baby, and having Helga, just the meanest, 
she has no grace at all and just slaps him across the across the face saying you big baby like that is like walk it off yeah that that the reason that's funny it's not even necessarily amazing writing it's great character writing it's totally like it's just a quick moment where you um it's not helga's barely in this episode but um it's a quick moment to remind you oh she's still here and she's really funny yeah it's a little vignette but like both of their like part major parts of the personality shine in like one moment yeah 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 so that's just like a, a nice show moment um, but I think as a whole, that scene, um, Park, Park feels like, like the emperor of this domain. He exudes happiness and kindness. He has this biggest smile on his face the whole time. And so peaceful the way he like, he like sits in a chair, like a, like a warlord or like a, like, <laughs> like a, a positive, like a positive <laughs> warlord. Yeah. Like, welcome to my domain. This is where you can relax. And I would love to talk about this because so if this show is a major millennial show, right? It, it, cause it talks about kindness and it talks about, um, uh, like understanding the full story behind someone. There, there are a lot of reasons why this show kind of fits into the millennial narrative. And I wonder, you know, I mentioned safe space, how like these kids, like I relate with a lot of these kids, um, their, their, their sensitivities, their, uh, uh, sorrow, like, the strong emotions that they have, I, um, connect with them. And I think like the space that I seek as a young millennial is the space that they were trying to create there in that, in that area. And I wonder if, if this show is about creating safe spaces and if that's one of the reasons why millennials connect to it so much in more of a cult way, as opposed to like, it wasn't necessarily massively popular, but it was popular enough where Anyone I talk to says, oh, that show like has such a special place for me, such a like a soft place in my heart. And I think this scene both carries the humor and the sweetness of these characters all at once. Um, and maybe I'm putting too much like focus on this little scene, but I, I think it like rather than looking at, quote, safe spaces in a negative way, which is kind of uh, easy to do these days. I actually it's like think... in vogue, but there's like a reason that they exist. Yeah. And I think that's why this sort of episode is so interesting is because it's like without the fifth graders being violent and, and adversarial, there'd be no need for that safe space. Right, right. Right. So and I think it's, it's a perfect analog to what we're dealing with now, I think, because they're, yeah, basically just for that point, it's like, as we see safe spaces now, typically I think it's, it's viewed within college campuses right? and it's typically broken down to some sort of specific identities or cliques. And so, um, different marginalized groups have their different specific safe spaces. And that's essentially what is going on in this episode too. Like that safe space was a refuge specifically for fourth graders, but because all fourth graders are welcome. All fourth graders are welcome, but that would be the same, I think, with more traditional, like, contemporary safe spaces sure, as well. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and so, but I think that's the most interesting part, I think, is it's easy for the, I guess, like, dominant group to to, to look at a thing like safe spaces and be hypercritical of it. Right. Because for the dominant groups, everywhere is a safe space. More or less. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, but there is a utopian quality mm-hmm. within safe spaces that I think unless you need one or participate in one, you don't see the benefits of it. Does that make sense? Yes. That's okay. Yeah. Go on. And, and so I think if th- this is actually like, I think a very interesting way to analyze safe spaces because it shows 
that they're completely rational yes in a way they're completely necessary and and, and, and because they're they're showing up as a response as a reaction to something else and um i think if we thought about it more in that perspective, like if, and I think this is like a major problem with most mainstream culture in general is ma- mainstream culture more or less it has an inability to look inwardly mm. and, and mm-hmm. critique itself and analyze itself. And so in order to say like, what are we doing wrong as a dominant culture that these people feel like they need these safe spaces. Right. Um, and instead of doing that, it's kind of just looking at it and going like, well, they're weak. You know what I mean? They're, they can't deal with reality. Mm-hmm. They can't deal with the real world. Mm-hmm. They have to go hide away in this place. But they do have to. They have to. Otherwise, they'll get thrown in the garbage. Yeah, but uh, it's, yes. And but, uh, like to, to follow your point further. A hundred percent. But I think there's more nuance and depth to that, with the, which the show actually touches on. Like when they enter and he says, we take care of the hungry. Yep. There's Heal something, the wounded. Yeah. Yes. And that's what safe spaces, I think, ideally would do as well. Yeah. Is there are these spaces where you seek like people of your own to sort of like uh, create some sort of community that you're lacking outside yeah. of that space and it, like a safe space. But it's also then once you feel that safety, you're able to then help each other and help others. Yeah. Right. So you can you can enter wounded, perhaps, but leave empowered. Yes. Does that make yeah. sense? Which is essentially what's happening in the show as well. But throw I'm going to throw a curveball here. Yeah. Visually. Yeah. This safe space is located in a junkyard. Yeah. And so visually, their place of safety is within the lowest refuse of, I mean, really the thing they're avoiding. Yeah. Which is an interesting image. It's it's both every kid's dream to have a, a, a clubhouse at a junkyard. Totally. But it's also, it's speaking to where they're able to even find value right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, You're like making do. Making do where they're at. Yeah. Um, and I guess the irony is that they're a microcosm of that is stinky going into the trash can. Yeah. For yeah, safety. I totally. mean, it's, it, those are two of the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and stinky even calls it out. He says, well, this is ironic. Yeah. Like where he found safety for the whole episode. Cause he's there the whole time. He yeah. moves from one trash can to another is the irony is that he found safety in the thing he was trying to avoid in the first place. Totally. That's pretty interesting. It is. Yeah. It's super interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I love that scene. It's funny. It's also every kid's dream. Um, it did when, when Wolfgang kind of breaks in, it felt a little bit like a speakeasy in the twenties getting busted. (laughs) Um, yeah, because it feels like a speakeasy. It's like a hidden place. People like playing cards, drinking. So it's, it references a lot of different places of refuge yeah. in the best way, like a place of safety or like a, a safe home, safe house. Yeah. Um, but even like a thing like a speakeasy, that's a place where people really like came to life at a time that was like pretty depressing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I just think it's a, like those types of environments in all probably show up in many different moments in history probably when they're needed most yeah. and when there's some sort of turmoil going on in, in society. And, but, um, oh shit, I lost it. I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting. Yeah. I want to, um, talk about tradition, vi- tradition and violence and all that. Um, oh, yeah. maybe let's listen to the clip first to kind of jumpstart that. All right, you two, it's time to take out the trash. 
don't want to do this. I don't? No. If you put us in a trash can, you'll only be continuing a cycle of endless violence that'll go on for generations. But there's another option. A visionary option. Wolfgang, if you end this crazy ritual, you will be remembered for years and years as a trailblazer of tolerance, a philosopher of justice, a prophet of peace. Never thought of it that way before. I could really put an end to an entire culture of violence. So what are you gonna do? Well, I've weighed both sides of the question, considered the consequences, and thought deeply about the profound moral issues at stake in my decision. And... I'm gonna put you guys in the trash. So... When, when, you, when you hear that clip, or when you, you know, when you saw that bit, what were you thinking of when it came to... Like, you mentioned something, like, quickly about the weight of tradition and how that butts up against the realities of violence. Um, I would love to hear you expound on that because I thought you were, like, touching on some good stuff. I don't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> but that's what we do. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think there's, like, so I think there's, there's, the, there's like, our ideals and the things that we want to strive for and be. And then it becomes confronted with the reality of situations. And so, um, I don't know, let's take like a, an, an example of this. Like, oh, okay, so an example of this is like, is when you're dealing with, say, something like um, factory farming or you're dealing with something like um, child labor or different right. label law, law infringements or, um, or um, let's see. Uh, like sweatshop labor, sweatshop labor, and those sure. sorts of things. So it's like everybody think everybody thinks that like sweat sweatshop labor is horrible, horrendous, and we don't really want to support right. it, right? Like no one in their like their right mind would want to support something like that. But then it, it gets butted up against sort of like the reality of the situation. Yeah. So in this in this sort of example that I'm using, which is not perfect, but I think proves my point a little bit, is like. What the the the, the costs that you, that you incur by living out your ideals and your morals is always very very high. Mm. So say you say like I don't like the idea of children working in factories, or I don't like the idea of someone making you know like ten cents in it for an entire day or whatever, or working twelve hours a day. You know those sorts of things. Then you say okay, that's fine. Like everybody agrees that's horrible. But then what do you do? It's like well, then I only buy. I don't know, American made or like in in situations where there is no um, problems with labor like that or mistreatment of labor. And then that automatically has like a higher price tag. So through in consumerism, it's even hard to live up your ideals. Uh, Organic foods is always more expensive, all Mm -hmm. those sorts Mm -hmm. of things. Um, Vegan food, if you want to avoid all meat and animal products together, are typically more expensive. Um, And so in the whole food system, it's like we actually subsidize poor treatment of right, animals right. and poor treatment of, of land and, and the environment and everything like that. Um, so in, in that sense, it's like you're living to high moral standards is like very complicated and very hard. And then when you add like the lineage and you add the historical components of it, mm-hmm. it becomes even harder. So like with uh, Wolfgang, it's like he knows that the right thing to do would be to basically pardon these kids yeah. and allow them to <laughs> yeah. walk free. But then another part like of Like President him, Gerald Ford to Nixon. Exactly. Cool. Yes. Go. Yeah. Uh, Obama, Chelsea Manning, whatever your political history, your, yeah, whatever your thing is, and political thing is. So you, um, but at the same time, he could pardon those kids and allow them to go free. But then the kids around the city would still be running amok, right? And then he would be missing out on this tradition, and mm-hmm. so, and then you feel the weight of that even more when you see uh, 
Arnold and Harold walking away, or Gerald walking away every time, every <laughs> single time, uh, walking away, and they're like, "We would never do this." And then it's like, "Well, maybe we would. Like, maybe it's a worthwhile tradition." Yeah. And so you're confronted with that, uh, um, in another way, and you see with these kids who just went through the thing, you know what I mean? Still wondering if it's it's if it's mm. if there's some value to it or if it's worthwhile. And there is. I think this is complicated because there is value to tradition. To tradition yeah right and like if you want to get rid of all tradition then you'll just end up making your own you know what i mean yeah so yeah. there's uh, there's no use in avoiding it unless it's like really does cause harm yeah i mean so there is like a moral mm-hmm. imperative uh, but at the same time like tradition is a hard thing to let go of well yeah arnold challenges wolfgang and says you know you you could be the agent of change you could do it like and he kind of holds that up as this, um, like sainthood type role, or like, um, like social justice type role. Totally. And that sense of power, I guess, tempts Wolfgang a little bit. Um, not enough to outweigh tradition. Um, but I, 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 I would wonder what um, people who study, you know, social type things. Would say, which sounded very smart. I, I have words. <laughs> People who study society, sociologists. Gosh. I got great words. <laughs> I got the best words. Hey, uh, hey, Adam. Yeah. I just realized that door's been open the whole time. Uh, it's, I thought we All right. But a little behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> There's doors where we are. Uh, oh, so I would wonder what a sociologist would say about the the symbol of violence in this episode which wolfgang speaks to he says i could end at like basically a lineage of violence and i you know coming up in a so like i wasn't a punk kid where where there's a lot of violence surrounding that i wasn't you know I, i grew up in like the most boring town and I, I wonder like, but, but violence was like very normalized from, for our age group. Um, not in a way where it's like, it's the badass thing to do. It was in every video game, every movie culturally, culturally, it was very yeah. normalized. So I didn't have it firsthand, but like the violence in media was pretty high. And so I think this episode speaks to that a little bit, um, in that violence is such a normal thing for kids in the city. Um, not, and not in like, a, not even like a, uh, not even a critique on like people beating up other people, but just the normalcy of this experience of we're fifth graders. We're going to chase after the fourth graders and do a thing to them that they don't want done to them. Yeah. And I, I, it's just like a misuse of power is what it is. Sure. And, and I think unfortunately misuse of power and tradition often go hand in hand. And so Hmm. You, if you look at any sort of major civil rights struggle or human rights struggles, it's always kind of that way. Hmm. And um, so if you look at like Israelis and Palestinians, um, there's clearly a powerful group and a lesser powerful group. And there's major history involved in that situation. Right. Yeah. And like from an oppressed group of people like 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 Jewish people 
to then oppress another group of people. Like deep down, I think most Israelis and most Jewish people know that's not correct to do. Right. But there's like a weight and a and a terrified history there. That's a really good example of yeah of the complicatedness of history and violence. Totally. And and I think if if like everybody sort of sat down and thought like what is actually happening, like do you think this can continue? I think. Every rational person would say, no, if you just look at the facts, like this shouldn't continue like this. But at the same time, there's so much history there that it's like the history and the rush that people get from committing acts of violence, the pure anarchy of committing acts of violence and taking someone's life in your own hands. Hmm. Right. I think is such an overwhelming, like godlike feeling in itself that it, it, it is infectious. You know what I mean? And I think it's a thing where it makes the situation even harder to run. That's why, like... Sorry to keep going down in this rabbit no, hole. No, no, no. Um, uh, but this has been Middle East talk. With, uh, <laughs> but if it, like there's conscription in, in Israel, so everybody has to join the military in Israel. So mm. uh, it's no- very normalized. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, like being in the military is very normalized. Going and working in those uh, the, like uh, Gaza and those sorts of areas, and it's it's like a normalized activity. And when you treat somebody like the other. And then you view, are, are taught to literally view them as non-human and as a combatant mm-hmm. that's actually out to get you. And that's sort of like propaganda that's told to you all the time. Like, what else are you going to think? Mm. You know what I mean? So, um, and those contested areas. So, I, I, I don't know. I just think there's a, there's a thing where we have our morals and our ethics. And we want them to align with how we act. Yeah. Right? Especially when it comes to people's lives. Yeah. But I think, like, it's not that simple, and there's always, in every situation, so much history, and to turn that, change that tide is, like, is insane. Well, I think... But worth trying to do. A similar kind of... Like, one... If one is a symbol of... uh, Well, okay, so you're talking about an actual piece of violence, um, which would be, you know, the uh, Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Um, But if we're just talking about, like... A symbol, so you know he, Wolfgang views this more as a, a, a symbol of the history of PS one eighteen. Like, oh well, this has always been done. We're gonna keep doing it because um, I mean, technically, like the violence isn't that bad. Getting thrown in a trash can, there are worse things that could happen. I suppose, like like your, the things we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. But I think a similar idea is, you know, uh, the symbol of the Confederate flag to get to continue the totally. conversation. Oh, so, that's good. So, you know, I've heard people say, well, the symbol means so much more than slavery. And I could hear that and go, okay, like that's technically true on paper, but that doesn't change the fact that it is also a symbol of oppression, slavery, sorrow, families being separated. Murder. Yeah. yeah. So even even if, yeah, plus the symbol of a, of a great American war, like all yeah. those things combined, um, just because you don't mean it to carry all the all the rest of that weight doesn't mean it doesn't carry that weight totally and i think the the challenge that you know politicians and public workers and um uh, uh district workers uh in the south are facing is do we want to keep the status quo which isn't worse than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago but if we if we just keep the status quo it's not going to get better and yeah. by, by lowering the flag, it's not saying this flag doesn't have any other meaning, but it's saying the symbol is powerful enough that we're willing to put it put it down to yeah. to um, I mean what Arnold said be a, a, a philosopher of peace and justice and change. Totally. 
Um, and it doesn't mean that what the thing that Wolfgang said, which is, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but the idea of it being like a history thing that he's going to continue that thing. Like I get it. The, hazing is a, is a, there's a lot of weight to hazing and it, you know, uh, uh, play, places in like, um, what are they called? Like, uh, uh, sororities and fraternities have hazing, hazings that have done for, been done for a hundred years. And there is like a beautiful weight to that. Like tradition's cool, but when but it's like an absurd abuse of tradition. Yes. As well. Yes. Well, it's like tradition is cool, but not all are worth perpetuating. Right. right. And when you're only following tradition, it doesn't allow room to like progress. Right. 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 And I think that's why, I, that's why I think the, comparison you draw with like uh confederate flags and those sorts of things is actually really good and really interesting is because people think like you're trying to like erase the past by taking those flags down and that they think like well part of my heritage is inextricably connected to that yeah, yeah. and it's not necessarily like great but it's not necessarily all bad yeah you know what yeah. i mean like i have grown up and lived in the south my entire life yeah and i don't believe in racism i don't believe in all these things or whatever but i think it's like things are more like we've said a million times like things are far more complicated than that but i think the problem is at some point you have to it's not sufficient to just live in the past and right, live through right, traditions right you have to make something of your own and you have to progress forward in some way and society mm. is changing, therefore you should as well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you can, and we can take things from the past, but the idea of taking things from the past is <laughs> hopefully you take the best things from the past. And I think one of those things isn't the Confederate flag well, and isn't necessarily even hazing. You know, you yeah. can still have, you can still have clubs and groups and all that sort of shit, yeah. but you don't have to like literally abuse people. You don't need to have them inducted into your group. Well, and you know, let me get, uh, yeah, get opinionated here, but I think with the Confederate flag, it, its greatest value and asset, and is in its in the interest in historical knowledge, and it's like I understand that the connection to the past, both heritage and all the negative reasons that it exists, are valuable, um, and I don't think it should be flown anywhere near public places but like in a museum in a museum or a historical museum or even even in the public place you know framed with a with a with a plaque explaining kind of the significance or whatever like i'm not against that at all i think erasing it is uh is akin to um uh what's it called uh like cutting cutting something out i mean it's well, it's like almost Orwellian, and yeah, 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 but, yeah. But, but, yeah. but so things shouldn't be forgotten; they should be learned from, is what you're saying. Things should be learned from, and respected for its unfortunate power, but it shouldn't totally. be honored. Yeah, that. But I think that's this is like anything else. It's just like you have one thing that like ten different people are going to look at, like they're going to draw something. Everybody's yeah, going to draw yeah. something different, and I think what <laughs> to think that everyone's going to put on their like anthropological historian hat, no, and like yeah. view this flag as like. That was a terrible part of history. You know, right, we should right. really learn from it so we don't do this again, essentially. But that's not, unfortunately, what everybody's thinking when they look at something like mm -hmm. that. You know what I mean? Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Like, this this stuff, I mean, this is just the way this episode's going. So you have... No, like, it's this episode, you're right. It is, it is one of the perfect Harold episodes because it's 
funny, sad, political. Yeah. A good story. Totally. Action. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great episode. It's like, so the perfect example is President Donald Trump. Who? Yeah, I wish. (laughs) And so you have this guy who spews hateful rhetoric constantly. Said things against Muslims, Mexicans, like all sorts of people. And then you have people at his rallies, like doing the Zig Heil and doing those sorts of things. What's interesting is, is that to me, it's a really great comparison to the Confederate flag because you have some people at his demonstrations that like are just Republicans mm-hmm. that want to support the Republican candidate. Right. But then in that same room, you have neo-Nazis. So the Republican is looking at Trump and thinking maybe like, man, this guy kind of scares me, but like, he's our guy. He's on our team. I'm going to wish the best for him and him to take our country down the right path. Right. And then that same room, you have the guy that's not thinking that at all. He's just hearing the hateful rhetoric that validates his horrible racist opinions. And you have, and, and so it's like, to me, that's the same thing. Like there are, like everybody's going to bring their baggage into a situation and then view whatever they're looking at through that lens. And the problem with hate speech and the problem with like the KKK, neo-Nazis, all those folks is like, yeah, we want to believe in free speech and those sorts of things. But like some things you say or some things you do like elicit violence, mm-hmm. horrible, tragic pasts, all of those sorts of things. And the chance of like something productive or good to be drawn from it is like slim to none. Do you know what I mean? So like what to bring it back a little to Hey Arnold. Who? <laughs> well, yeah. What show is this? Um, and is that at least with this, there's like in, in this sort of trash can dumping the kids in the trash can scenario, like there's like solidarity that gets built yeah. between the fourth graders. There's like a crude form of solidarity that's built around the fifth graders <laughs> to terrorize yeah. the fourth graders. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's, I guess, that's good. You know what I mean? Sure. And um, I don't know what else beyond that about this. I can't find anything good. Besides that, it's, like, a good episode. But, like, I'm trying to think of, like, if I had a kid and he went to a school and this happened, like, how would I feel about that? And I think I wouldn't like it. I think if it was something other than um, trash, it'd be like, all right, kid, like, they're throwing water balloons at you today. Then it's like, like... <clears throat> So this episode in some ways is a safe space for kids who are watching the show to understand um, not the full extent, but the short extent of political unrest, uh, totally violent unrest, civil unrest, um, because it is images of one group of people chasing another group of people around in a metropolitan area. That, yeah, totally. if nothing else, is a symbol of race wars and um, wars... In just wars areas, wars yeah <laughs> but places of poverty um now this is a very tame episode no one gets hurt everyone yeah. just gets you know trash Stinky. in their in their pants um which they draw trash it makes me want to vomit it's like the, it's not just like piles of paper it's like real trash yeah like rotten green feces um so i think in that regard like this episode is a safe space for young people to experience yeah a tame version of violence yeah a hundred percent and that's very obviously what it is like i even i like this show to me in some respects has there's always a strain of like 
anarchy in it mm-hmm. where it's like kids running amok. Yeah. And, and some of it's, they are, and I've said this in way earlier episodes, there's a lot of self-regulating that uh-huh. goes on and like regulating from peer to peer. So there's not a lot of parents in this. Mm-hmm. But this one to me is like the negative form of anarchy where yeah. it's like, there's literally scenes where people are just running around yeah. and one group of people is demeaning another group of people yeah. and harming them. And so I think it's like, this shows also, I think, the dark side of the whole Hey Arnold thing, which is... Kids running amok without parents can be really mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. and sort of cute and adorable, and you can romanticize it a little bit. And then you can have the other side where it's like just pure chaos. And you see that actually at the beginning of the episode, right before the hysteria starts, when Arnold says, All for one, one for all. And then Harold cuts that down and says, Every man for himself. Yeah. And so the romantic version of. Oh, it's another throwing away of your ideals, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so you see Arnold, and it's perfect that those two characters are the ones who say it because Arnold is the one who he's pie in the sky dreamer who thinks the best of others so they've already discussed this is our plan we're sticking together they can't get us all and so he repeats that as trash is getting taken out all for one one for all which is this beautiful um, it's like the best version of groupthink right totally. it's, the, it's it's the best version of camaraderie well, collectivism. Friendship. Yeah. yeah collectivism um, and for it to be instantly cut down by Harold who's We've already said today, a baby, scared. Primal man. Yeah. 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 He, he really is the gut of the show. Yeah. He, he um, says what's on his mind pretty quick. Um, yeah. So if the heart says one thing, the gut's going to say, no, thanks. Every yeah. man for himself. Yeah. And that causes the hysteria, which um, then fuels the rest of the episode. Um, so what you're talking about, the like, yeah, the, the, the giving up of any kind of structure is sometimes interesting, mm-hmm. but sometimes it causes kids to get thrown in trash cans. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. There's sometimes where I feel like we go way over our head. I feel like that kind of just happened on this episode, but I feel like oh, it all, it's like, yeah, I think it's all there. What I'm trying to hold back from is talking too much about like immigration and <laughs> racism. Cause this episode does have like references to those things. Um, yeah. Well, well and I think it, it's all the scenes of like someone hiding somebody else yeah. for their safety and well being, right? With the specter of violence. Yeah. Like all of that just is like really strong with the racial, historical, otherness violent, type, yeah. otherness type situations yeah. that have occurred. And it's yeah. hard. It's like that's those are horrible situations yeah yeah and so you want to tread lightly yeah and if nothing else like the image of that short fifth grader um you know basically like promising to traffic gerald and arnold sell them out just to sell them out yeah to sell them out that's like um again another safe version of totally of what Betraying your own, yeah, yeah, for your own safety, yeah. Because he was a fourth grader, right? No, no, he's a fifth grader. Oh, he was. Yeah. Oh, then he, I don't, never mind. Then yeah. Then. What I'll say is this: this is a thesis I have of this show uh, is that characters with single eyebrows don't can't be trusted. <laughs> Harold, Helga, a lot of character, a lot of the bullies uh... have. They're they're either not to be trusted or they're misunderstood. Those are the those are the options. That's very interesting. Yeah. And and it. It's because it, for this kid, it, it, it 
uh, it kind of symbolizes some sort of like slyness because he has kind of like a wonky single eyebrow. W eyebrow. Yeah, but then with with Harold and Helga, their single eyebrow reflects anger and sadness totally. and um, like meanness. Um, yeah, so never trust someone with one eyebrow. That's well, and I think, and I think, like we said with with Gerald or Harold, Harold, fuck. Harold, right? Yes, Fatty. Yeah, Fatty. Harold. He. Uh, th- I'm sorry. Yeah, that no was, fat shaming. I'm yeah, sorry. No, fa- I'm sorry. That was. Um, is is, I think when you when you when you think of like a cartoon of like a caveman or something, I imagine them with like one. Yeah. Eyebrow. They're oafs. Kind of oafs. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and Helga's, it was we've said a billion times, extremely complicated character. Yes. The most dynamic character in the show. So she's not a simple creature, but there is a part of her. She's oafish. That is oafish. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they even have her, her gait kind of that way in some scenes, but where she's very like, she can't control her emotions. Yeah. She can't control her anger. So there's a lot of like a uh, lack of filtration, which I think a lot of people associate with some sort of simplistic be- way of being. Yeah. Right. Well, um, she, she, the episode of her turning into a monkey references that oh, too. She's totally. a, she's apish. She, yes. that the worst version of herself is that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's a little different with Mickey. Is that his name? The weasel. But, uh, it's still like, he's a misunderstood guy. You think one thing, but it turns out he's another. Totally. Um, deceptive. And he has a great sweat, like, like nineties hoodie sweatshirt with a zipper all the way up to his chin. Like wrapped around his head. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, this is a good episode. it is really good. Um, we've talked about a lot. Oh my we've gosh. We've talked about it all. About it all. Uh, hey, uh, I'm going to have you start thinking of cry of the week because you never are ready. So I'm going to say mine. Uh, not that I'm ready either. Um, <laughs> oh shoot. Oh, I, I have mine. I think, oh, you do go ahead. Yeah. Mine is when the fifth graders, Wolfgang as the leader destroy their little utopian safe space. Yeah. I remember the first time that I saw this, I genuinely thought that that was tragic. Like when you saw it recently or when you were a kid? When I saw it more recently. Because okay. I think we watched this one a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember watching it and just thinking like that that was so tragic. Yeah. Because part of me wanted to see like what the show Harold would be like with this utopian safe space like integrated into the story. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would mm-hmm. be very interesting because to me it is that part – it's tapping into that part of – Instead of it being like anarchy in a negative way, it's this very highly structured, highly compassionate, yeah. but still very freeform thing yeah, yeah, going yeah, on, yeah. which I think is fascinating. Just away from the show, I think this was fascinating. So to see it in the show would be cool as well. Yeah. But I, I think it's just sad. Yeah. How many tears? Four. Four. Whew. That's a lot. I, yeah. That was a sincere, like, guttural, like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess mine is... Uh, the like naivete of the third graders at the end of the end of the episode, (laughs) like first, like laughing at them, like, dude, come on. But then even worse is when, you know, they said, are you really going to do that to us with like pure fear? Yeah. And Arnold goes, nah, probably not. And they're like, Oh great. Thanks, mister. Like that's blind naivete. And it's sad. Yeah. I'm only going to give it two tears, but it's, it's still a good, a good moment. Um, I just I just forgot one other little thing. Harold getting stuck on the bus is horrifying and so funny. Also, when he like goes to the door and it closes in his face, and there are fifth graders behind him. That is it, pretty scary. It's kind of a it's like a horror movie a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, it's great. We're being trapped in that small space with those fifth graders. Yeah. With adults everywhere. What yeah. a weird town. Well, that's, that's, and that's, this show's so interesting because the, the adults do nothing. Yeah. You know, that the, the adults are either vacant and not helpful, make things worse, or they're just hyper passive. Yeah. There's a, oh man. It's like they're just window dressing. Like they just like sit there. It, and Is I that wonder, a phrase? Window dressing? Window dressing. Yeah. Or I think that's there's right. another, the better term would be um. display art. They're like, yeah, display art. <laughs> I don't know. They're just not mobile. They don't, they're not helpful. They're just yeah, kind of sitting yeah. there. Uh, unless the writers deem them as appropriately. Totally. Like, sometimes the writers will pull out a, uh, an adult character. But uh, Okay, so hey, look, we got music coming up right now. Uh, it is, the song's called Mass Destruction, um, <laughs> which I was kind of looking through some different, like, hip-hop jazz electronic jazz just to kind of see what like what i could find and this name popped out like okay like i'm having trouble this name it's perfect it, it's perfect it's by the hip-hop jazz junkies whoa i know uh on the album planet earth closed for repair nice. uh thanks for joining us today um we'll be back soon um please rate and review I hope nobody was offended by anything we said. I don't think anything we said I was think offensive. We're, no, I think we came from sincere places. Okay, good. To to heal, yeah. to feed. Yeah, if they've listened to, to these the, episodes, to they the know what we mean. We're a little, we're a little opinionated. A little. A little. Why do you think we made this whole thing? So we could hear ourselves <laughs> give our own opinion all the time. Uh, thanks again, guys. Enjoy the music, and see you soon. Bye, guys.